right, I want to welcome on my next guest. We got a very special guest. We got NFL Hall of Famer Morton Anderson, the Great Dane. Morton, has everything going for you? I'm doing fantastic. How you doing, bud? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. How's everything going for you? This year is very different than past, but hopefully we're getting through it. How's everything going for you? Yeah, we, uh, you know, I traveled to New York back in February, so I think I, you know, I got the COVID with no symptoms, uh, so I had the antibody, uh, but I tested negative. The rest of the family tested negative, so it's one of those things. Some people get really sick from it, and others have no symptoms. Some Some people have a little bit, you know, and I was one of the lucky ones that didn't really have anything. That's good. So, yeah. yeah, we're just trying to be smart, wear, yeah. wear a mask, yep. uh, keep social distancing, and, yeah. uh, and like everybody else, hopefully. Yeah. What have been your thoughts so far on the NFL season? I know it's been a little bumpy ride because I know a lot of the guys have been getting tested positive, but are you yeah, surprised? Yeah, you know, I'm surprised really that we've been able to play this many games yeah. uh, for this long, to be honest with you, yeah. uh, because it's not like basketball where you have a limited roster. This yeah. is – a lot more people and uh, harder to manage, I think. But I love my Saints. They're in the driver's seat. They had yeah. a big game against, you know, Tampa Bay. And um, just think that uh, we're in a really good spot uh, going into the second half of the season. Were you surprised that they just like they blitzed that they, they just they just completely took it to Brady or did you did you expect that? I mean, I didn't expect the blowout that it was. I yeah. mean, we won by 30 points, 30 plus <laughs> points. It's unusual. Yeah. But uh, we did. Uh, we were able to get to to Tom a little bit, and uh, you know, Breeze is just very good. He yeah. and he's got offensive weapons, and we were able to run the ball too, which kind of set up our play action. So, yeah, yeah, I really liked our game plan there. And uh, you know, we got the Niners uh, this weekend, and they're banged up big time. Oh yeah, so like that should everybody. hopefully be a W. You never know. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's looking pretty good for the Saints right now. Absolutely. So I want to ask you a little about your football career. So I know you you're grew up in Denmark. How did you get introduced to the game of football? Yeah, I was an exchange student back in 1977 uh, and uh, came here on a uh, exchange program, supposed, supposed to be here 10 months. And uh, that turned into 40 plus years. A little <laughs> so, bit longer. But the football was <laughs> what got me, got me here and kept me here. Uh, I was supposed to go back after, like I said, after 10 months, my, uh, my host family and my head coach uh, at Ben Davis High School introduced me to the game, and I just loved it right away. It, it was just a fascinating game to me. You know, high high scoring, power, high power, lots of action, and uh, I loved being part of it. And, and and that feeling of being part of something bigger than yourself, I think, was really important to me. And and then I got to be a pretty good kicker and uh, was dra- was. Uh, Recruited to go to Michigan State by another Danish guy that was a kicker up there. And uh, and then the ball was rolling and uh, became an All-American at Michigan State. We had some good good years up there with the Spartans. And then I was drafted in 1982 by by the Saints in the fourth round. First awesome. first kick were taken uh, in, in that year's draft. Oh, cool. So I have a question. Did, did any of your family back home there, like, what is football? <laughs> yeah, they didn't know. I didn't know for a while. I was... <laughs> I was a little concerned when I saw the ball for the first time because it wasn't round, you know, <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it, it was just a great game. And I, I just fell in love with the game and, and with the whole atmosphere around it, the fans and how popular it was. It blew me away. I was used to playing soccer in front of maybe a hundred people, 50 people. And here I was at Michigan state. And even in high school, 10,000 people, uh, five, 10,000 people at a game. And, you know, at Michigan state, big 10 football, 
you're looking at 74,000. And when we played Michigan, 105,000. So there were some different numbers. Yeah. Yeah. So, I have a, so I have a question about so where are you where are you from? Where's the town you grew up in in Denmark? It's a little fishing village called Stor, S-T-R-U-E-R, Stor. Are, are you uh, familiar with, with I'm, I'm definitely botching the pronunciation. Are you familiar with a Holsterbro? Yeah, that's 15 kilometers south of us. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I went, Right I, there. What I, do you I, know? I, I, in high school, we did an exchange program for about a couple of weeks. We had, we had a host family come in um, from Holsterbro. Uh, ah. definitely, and then we went to Copenhagen, went there. So that was a lot of fun. And I have a question. Are, are you a, are you a Tuborg man or a Carlsberg man? You know, I'm probably a Carlsberg man. Carlsberg. But it's pretty much the same thing. I have a question. Have you ever had the, the, the garage hard lemonade that they have? They only have it there. No, no, don't not familiar with that. It's fantastic, and they don't sell it here. It's like it's like because every year, like people have like the Mike's Hard Lemonade, but you can't order that at a bar. There, everybody's got garage, and they need to bring it here. We got I got to figure that out how we can get that because I don't think they ship it. It's there, there might be an opportunity for you there for a little import business. Absolutely, I got to figure that out. Maybe after the pandemic, I don't think right now they're going to be doing that too well. Yeah. So, so I have a question. So getting to the Saints, um, what was that? What was that experience like? Is you're like, all right, I'm just kind of new to the game. How, how did you adjust? Well, I kind of had to find where New Orleans was because I had had no communication with them at Michigan State. So I really had to kind of look and and see on a map where it was. And uh, I, I knew that they they played some jazz down there. I'd heard of Bourbon Street. I've heard, you know, heard about the French Quarter. But really the Saints I'd had no contact with. And the Saints were bad, you know, in the, in the late 70s, early 80s. They were really bad. They were actually called the Aints, and people were wearing bags over their heads <laughs> because it was so bad. I think the year before I got there, they were 1-15. in 15. So wow. they were a really bad football team. And then they brought in Bum Phillips, who was the head coach, and, and we became a little more competitive. And then, of course, with Jim Moore in the mid-80s, mid we, yeah. we really started winning. Was Archie Manning there when you first got there? Yeah, he was there my rookie year, and they traded him to Houston and then to Minnesota, and then he finally retired. But oh, wow. uh, I did spend uh, training camp in Vero Beach with the Archie Manning. Oh, cool. That's awesome. So, so I have a couple of user-submitted questions, that I and one of them really caught my attention. They said, did you ever wake up on Bourbon Street? <laughs> no, no, I haven't. <laughs> but I've been close. <laughs> I try to make it home. <laughs> And then for like Mardi Gras, would you would you guys try to because that was right around the season, so you guys would probably try to have to stay away from Bourbon Street. Well, no, right? Mardi Gras was actually it was after the season. It was okay in February. Okay, uh, it's tied to Lent and the Catholic religion. I'm not Catholic, so I think it has to do with you know the forty days of Lent okay. and not eating meat and and not okay. drinking and stuff, giving something up, I guess, uh, okay. sacrificing. So you know it changes every year, but usually I think I want to say it's after the Super Bowl okay. in February sometime. Okay. I have a question. Did, were there any kickers that you kind of studied either before you got to the NFL or while you were there just to kind of like their motions or their technique? Yeah, I think Jan Stenerud was the guy that everybody kind of looked to. He was one, the first legit, you know, uh, soccer style kicker. You had the Gogolak, Gogolak brothers that were soccer style kickers as well. But Jan really took it to another level. He was a, able to add, add the power element to the to kicking and in and accuracy so you know he's he's in the pro football hall of fame yeah. as i am and and he was the first kicker uh, and the only kicker for a long long time until i got in there in 2017 did does icing work on any or most kickers or is it just, just what, what's, 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 I, what is it just you know i can only speak for myself and and i 
I, I kid everybody and say, you can't ice ice. So if you're tough, you know, <laughs> if you're, if you're an ice cube anyway, you know, you can't be affected. I, I didn't mind it because it gave me extra time to kind of relax, find my target and just swing my leg. And when the whistle blew, you just recycle and go back into your pre-kick routine. So for me, it was, it didn't work. You know, I usually performed at the same level, whether they called timeout or not, it didn't, didn't matter to me. I don't know if you saw it earlier. I think it was the Chiefs with Harrison Butker, where he had to do like three fifty-plus yeah, yards. yarders or something. Yeah, it's crazy. Unbelievable. Who, who, in your opinion, who, who who are the best the best few kickers in the National Football League today? Well, he's very good. He's young. He's got lots of upside. There's a lot of really good ones. You know, Baltimore has a really good one. Um, Tucker. Um, the Saints have a really good one. Will Lutz. Yeah. He's very good. Detroit has a really good one. Uh, Prater. Prater, um, yeah. And, I mean, there's a lot of guys out there that are kicking at a very high level. And um, so it, it's, it's exciting to to watch. I mean, the, they're hitting 60 yarders like the old 50 yarders now. <laughs> and, you know, I think we're going to see a 70-yard field goal. Really? I do. I think we will. Interesting. What, what's yeah. the longest? What's, what's if, if you went out there today? What's the what's the farthest? Oh, I can, you know I haven't kicked since 2017, so <laughs> that, that's really not a fair question, man. So you you even tried it? You're, you just no, no no. Once I hung <laughs> them up, I hung them up, man. But, but I'm coaching. You know, oh, I have cool. coached a lot of guys, uh, high school, college, pro level guys, and uh, that's been a lot of fun. But I, I don't do as much anymore yeah. as I used to. And I, I know I saw in an interview you were talking about guys that always want to go for the deep ones, and you were talking about make sure you can get it from 40 before you start going. Well, why? That's right. That's right. You know, earn the, earn the right to go out far uh, because you got to make the money kicks. The money kicks really in that red zone. You know, you want to you want to hit anything from like 30 yards to 45 yards. You got to be almost automatic on those because that's where the majority of your kicks are going to come. Um, you know, that's when offenses get bogged down usually in that zone and. You know, there's only so much real estate and defenses start tightening it down. And, and if you get stopped, it's usually in that zone. So, yeah, I, I think it's important to know uh, where your bread is buttered. And I yeah. think it's in that range. Why, why do you think I, I know at least last year or the past few years, a lot of guys had uh, trouble with the extra point. Why do you think that is? Well, I think what, what and this is what I'm telling my guys, you, you go from a 20 yard extra point to a 33 yard field goal, really. And it becomes yeah. a one point field goal and so the mentality is that uh it's just far enough that you you got to hit a pure ball you know you can't uh you can't guide it you can't sort of just uh, slap it through you gotta you gotta hit a good ball with vertical rotation and and a good line and so i think psychologically it took guys a little uh time to get used to just being back there for the extra point because usually you were a lot closer and you would just put it in the middle I see a lot of guys now putting putting that extra point on a hash mark because most of them draw the ball a little bit. Yeah. So if you're right footed, you might put it on the right hash to draw it in there. Left foot, you might put it on the left hash to draw it in there. And so I, I see a lot of guys using the hash marks. But I think it's more of a mental thing, really, yeah. because you should be 10 for 10 from 33 yards, let's face it. Yeah. Now I have a question. So um, I know I, I saw I saw it in your – you are talking about it when in your Hall of Fame speech, and you also talked about it in an interview – so there was a period of time where you were not in the NFL, but you were practicing to be in it, and people were telling you you were crazy. What was that like? Yeah, that was a weird time. I mean, that was a gut check time. That was a, the world of suck, I call it, because nobody's watching and the phone's not ringing and you're unemployed and 
you're in a public park for 20 months and uh <clears throat> you know if the kids need the field to to play football you gotta get out of there you just don't have the facilities to work out you know you, I, the falcons weren't offering their fields up so you know i wasn't employed i wasn't on the payroll so you had to make do with whatever you could find and it was a humbling experience for a long time and people i think might have thought i was a little crazy to to pursue it but you know i was only 77 points away from becoming the all-time leading scorer at the time and so to me it was very important to kind of finish on my terms a lot of guys don't get to do it you know it gets determined for them and i i felt very um you know, very stubborn about it. My will was strong as far as I didn't want to be, uh, I didn't just didn't want to go out having finished in Minnesota. I wanted to, you know, there was more left in the tank basically is what yeah. I felt. And, and that proved correct. Were you kind of letting it known like, Hey, I'm still interested like putting feelers out there. Or were you oh yeah, for sure. I mean, everybody okay. knew I was available working out. Okay. I actually got a call from, uh, from, from coach Reed when he was in Philly and David Akers had pulled a hamstring or something was going on. And he was looking to bring me in for one game until uh, David got healthy again. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go. And then David ended up playing that game. So it didn't become relevant, but I was ready to fly to Philadelphia to play for the Eagles for a game. And then, so how did it come about that? How did the Falcons, how did they bring you back in? Yeah, they they had a punter named Michael Kane and he was also doing the kicking in 2006 and he was struggling doing both. It was, it was just too much. And uh, so he missed some kicks against Tampa Bay. I think it was short kicks that should have been made and cost him the game, I believe. So they called me, I was sitting in my basement with my neighbor having a couple of cold beers. And I told my, I told my uh, neighbor that I was switching to water <laughs> so <laughs> because the phone was going to ring and the phone did ring. And then I was, I had a tryout the next the next day against uh, you know four other guys half my age. Now I'm 46 years old and these guys were 23, 22, right up right out of college. You know, I call them flat bellies. You know, they were. I was, certainly wasn't a flat belly, but he. Uh, I won the job and signed a uh, signed a one year contract, and then in December of a couple of months later, I did become the all time leading scorer. Awesome. So it was worth you know it was worth the journey. Yeah. It was worth the 20 months in the park. It was. It was worth the, the the grinding and the uh, you know even though there was doubt and maybe this doesn't ever happen at least I knew I was ready if it did and when it did and it did happen and I was ready and I went did win the job and I did get the record. Were there any like days where you're like, all right, what am I doing? Like, why am yeah, I waiting? There was, and then we just kicked some more. You know, my trainer and I <laughs> were out there and we grinded and and we just said, listen, it's. Uh, this is the journey right now. And it's yeah. not about to change until uh, something drastic lets us know that we have to change. So I have an idea I want to run by you. I've been thinking they've been to do it for years, but they haven't done it. I think once the pandemic is over and once they bring back the Pro Bowl, I think they should implement a field goal kicking contest. Would, would do you think kickers would have any interest in doing that kind of thing? Like sort of like a, like the home run derby in baseball. I think that's a fantastic idea. We actually had it uh, back in the eighties. We used to go to Hawaii and have a uh, contest, all the kickers in the NFL. Uh, and the winner would get $10,000 and, um, was it televised? It was televised. Yeah, oh. it was, it was actually Chris Berman and Mick Lockhurst were the announcers. <laughs> so I think it was, on e it was on ESPN. I don't know if you could probably Google it and, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. 
That'd be electric. Who, who wouldn't want to watch that? That's like we the- actually there was a kicker for for Tampa Bay back then called Donald Ikwe Buike. He was from Nigeria. I know he he, but anyway, he was he had been out all night partying, and and the next day we had a the first thing we were doing on live television was <clears throat> we were kicking field goals into a convertible and whoever got the ball from 50 yards, you got one shot. If you could put the ball and it stayed in the convertible, you won the car. So we had all gotten rest. And, uh, you know, I hit, I think I hit the windshield. Donald steps up and drills it and wins the car completely hung over. I mean, it was unbelievable. The guy was amazing. 50 yards. It stays on the convertible, and he drives away with a big smile in the convertible. That's incredible. They, they they took that away, and they have the current Pro Bowl. That's that's they have all this stuff. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? And they yeah, running. it was great. It, it, you know, it's so good. It's a great idea, and I, yeah. I'm surprised somebody hasn't run with that. There's another one for you. Now you're going to import drinks from Denmark. I'm telling you. And now you got a field goal. Making it going. happen. We're making it happen. You're, two, got- you're two for two, man. Keep it going. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. It's a good percentage. I mean, no, yeah, but I'm like, this is this would be electric because you people get so excited for the home run derby. I'm like, if you see guys booting it from 50, 60 yards, and then yeah. all of a sudden, like, it'd be, it, even if they had to do like best out of 10, it'd be incredible. Like, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be incredible. It's wild. It's interesting. What's, what's the most difficult field goal you've ever had to complete? Well, anytime you have bad footing, so like Chicago was a tough field because it was sandy, and you would you, your plant foot would slide, and that would change your strike point. So anytime you had like muddy field or wet, it, it was difficult. And if you had a really strong wind, that, that could be so. If you had bad field and wind, well, that's a tough day, like Candlestick or yeah. Chicago or you know Green Bay. Uh, was, was FedEx? Was the, FedEx? Did it have pretty? What was? What was <clears throat> FedEx in Washington. Yeah, how was the field there? Because I never got people complain about. No, that was a nice field. The old Redskins Stadium was bad. RFK. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Because I know I remember one of them. I remember Vinatieri had to do was like in the snow. Do you ever do anything like that? Like when you had to just move it out? Yeah, we played Philadelphia, and I had a 52-yard field goal to put us into overtime in the snow in uh, in the old Vet Stadium in Philly, and then uh, 50-yarder in overtime in the snow to win it. Wow. Yeah, and, those and were it, tough kicks for sure. And that, that was a stadium that had the jail in it. That's right. <laughs> Did you ever have any interesting experiences with Eagles fans? I know they're interesting. Yeah, well, you know, any any fans that boo Santa Claus, you know, <laughs> gosh, they're up on they're they're high on my list. I was talking to do you, do you remember uh, Mark Collins who played for the Giants? Sure. So I was talking to him. I said, Do you ever have any interesting experiences? He played for the Giants, won a couple Super Bowls with them, and he said, like Five years after he, re- he had retired, which is like eight years after he had been with the Giants, he was doing some business and he had a connecting flight in Philly and went to the airport. And all of a sudden, he turns around and there's some guy and he goes, "College, you suck!" I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, he's like, he's like, man. Yeah, there was me. a lot of that, a lot, a lot about you know talking about your mom. Yeah, you know that, things like that. I have a question. Do, do you think the game is starting to gain more popularity in Denmark? You know, it is popular over there, and. Uh, it's just a small country and soccer is and, and team handball. Those are the big sports there. That's just the way it goes. You're not going to supplant them in popularity, but it does have a place as a, it's still a niche sport, you know, um, but it's gotten more popular when certainly when they found out that I was playing and I was Danish, it became more popular. And we went to the Super Bowl in 99. It was, it became quite popular and people followed it. And we also, we have a guy in new England now, uh, 
I think his name is Yalte Froholt. He's he's a line offensive lineman. Okay. So he's up there. Uh, oh, cool. Playing for the uh, the Patriots. Oh, cool. I have a question. At what point in your career did they finally start televising it in Denmark? They were doing it. They were doing it back uh, when I was playing. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, they started. I would say they probably started doing that in the late '90s. They bought the packages, the NFL packages. So yeah, they've oh, cool. been doing it for 20, 20 plus years anyway. Oh, cool. All right, I got a couple more user submitted questions on here. I want to run by and let's click on this. Let's see. Let's see. Um, was it was it difficult for you from going to the same? I uh, know. Here's a question: Do you ever get kind of like? Saints fans saying, "Why do you play for the Falcons?" and vice versa. Any uh, is that is that a common? Yeah, part? that that happens. I mean, but that's just the nature of the beast yeah. because the the teams are rivals, and uh, so when you go from the home team to the the, the bad boys, you know, we'll go from New Orleans to Atlanta, or vice versa. The fan base that you are leaving are not they're not going to like that, especially if you come back and beat them. You know, beat the team that you just played for, which yeah. is what happened with me in the nineties. You know. Uh, so that that was an unpopular move, but it was really necessitated necessitated by the Saints forcing my hand on that and and uh, wanting me to take a pay cut, and I wasn't interested in doing that. I have a question. So you played in multiple decades. What what were the different locker room feelings like from like the eighties, the nineties, the two thousands? Well, the money is so big now that uh, I think we forget the. I, I think there's still a sense of belonging, a sense that. The, the sense of team and a sense of uh, community. But I think the players have become almost these small corporations now because yeah. they're making so much money. So they have a bunch of handlers, a bunch of people and a bunch, bunch of noise around them, if you will. Back then, you know, meaning early 80s, late 70s, but I came in in early 80s, guys had second jobs in the off season because they weren't making enough money to sustain them. So it was just different. And most of the things, if we had an issue with a player or any, any type of item on, on the team, it would be handled internally. It would never get to the media. It would never get into the papers. And remember back then we didn't have the World Wide web. We had no social media. <laughs> so you could get away with a lot more because the machine was rolling a lot slower than it is now. Everything's instant now. Everybody knows everybody's business. And uh, so, you know, your word was your word back then. And I hope it still is, but I think it has gotten watered down a little bit by a lot of the noise yeah. around the players. Interesting. Um, do you remember the story the first time you put on a Saints jersey? Well, it was my rookie year. I didn't, I didn't have a very good preseason, and I got hurt on the opening kickoff uh, regular season game. So I didn't really play much in 82. We had a player strike. We had a player strike, so I think we only played six or seven games, and I think I only played a handful of those games. So, you know, it wasn't a great rookie rookie year, but I, I was just excited to be a pro and uh, and and to be employed, and I was hoping to do it for a long time, and it sure didn't look like that starting out. But, you know, 83 was a breakout year for me, and I started playing uh, much better, had some game winners and gained some confidence, and I was off to the races. Do you remember which, when it was that you felt like, all right, you, you had established yourself and then around the league, they'd be like, all right, he's obviously one of the best kickers in the game. Well, I made uh, four Pro Bowls in a row there from, I want to say it was 85, 86, 87, 88, or it might've been 86 through 89. But um, 
that run right there was significant in establishing my my street cred, if you will, and um, so that that helped. So, be, you know, having seven Pro Bowls is a lot for a kicker. So I, I'm yeah. very proud of that. Yeah. So I want to ask you a little bit about about your foundation because I know you guys are doing a lot of great work, and I was kind of curious what the what the um, the reasoning of what what you decided to do and kind of like what some of the work you're doing. Yeah, we, uh, my wife and I started back in 2008. It's called the Morton Anderson Family Foundation. I just think it's important to, uh, to give back if you have the platform and if you can affect change in a positive way, you should do it. Uh, we support a, a, a number of charities here in Atlanta, um, children's and youth related charities. Oh. We, Boys and Girls Club, and, and they're too numerous to mention, but suffice it to say, we, we try to spread the love as much as possible. So that's one side of it. The other side is a military side of it. And we just were celebrating uh, or remembering uh, Veterans Day yesterday. Yeah. So this one hits home. I, my wife comes from a Navy family. So oh. it's important to us to support our military. We, we've created an event that we've done for eight years now called Special Teams for Special Ops. And we help the Special Ops community. Those are the Navy SEALs, the Rangers, yeah. the Marines, the Air Force, Special Ops guys and uh we raise money and 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 give it to a, an organization called operation one voice which helps that community so we're very proud of that and we'll continue to do as much as we can uh the motto uh in our foundation is simply uh, what you give will grow and what you keep will perish and so we try to give of our money our energy our love our passion and uh make it a better world it's awesome. And then I know you recently started up a podcast. What, what, what kind of made you decide to do that? Yeah, because, you know, my, my network is really big and I, I like to talk. I like yeah. to talk to people. I like to listen. Yeah. I like to learn more about people similar to what you're doing. And um, so we started, um, you know, I'm, I'm a brand ambassador for Vegas Insider, which is a, uh, an, an online uh, betting site that empowers the iGamers, educates the iGamers and, uh, and helps them through that through that uh, environment. And so Great Dane Nation was a name I came up with. You know, I'm from Denmark. They, my nickname was a Great Dane. So it was, yeah. uh, let's go with that. <laughs> you yeah. know? And we've had some great guests on. Our first guest was Archie Manning. Awesome. And, and you can see the list. Uh, yeah. We're on all, we're, we're on VegasInsider.com oh, cool. you know, slash podcast. And anywhere you find your podcast, we're, we're there, you know, Spotify, Apple Music. Yeah wherever you find your podcast, you, you can find us. So it, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's been uh, very rewarding to get to know some of my Hall of Fame brothers. Yeah. This week, uh, we have Bobby Hebert on. Oh, cool. The Cajun Cannon, really fun, <laughs> fun guest. Uh, next week, it's going to be Jack Youngblood from wow. the Rams. Legendary Jack yeah. Youngblood. Uh, we had, we've had Ronnie Lott, Dick Butkus, wow. Chris Carter, uh, you know, just a ton of different yeah. guests on. So good fun. Speaking of Jack Youngblood, I was trying to get Jack Ham and I reached out to some guy who I thought was Jack Ham and I reached out and he responded to me. He goes, he goes, are you nuts? I'm like, what? He goes, and I realized he only had one M in his last name. <laughs> you got to do your research. I, I know. I know. Yeah. That, that was not a, not, not a proud moment. So I, <laughs> so I got one last question for you. So I understand You've had multiple Hall of Fame gold jackets. <laughs> well, I'm two. I've had two. So the third I have one, two. Third one hasn't come yet. No, still no. haven't shown up. <laughs> so I think they're losing faith in. <laughs> Do you know of anybody else that has multiple? 
I do, but I'm not allowed to say. <laughs> so how, how did you end up with the second one? And then what happened? Why did you need it? Well, the first one, uh, a lady dapped with a Sharpie. Can't get that off, man. It's right in front. And then I spilled red wine on it and cigar ashes. And I, it was terrible. I felt so bad because it's a sacred, you know, symbol of belonging. Yeah. I do take, I'm, I'm trying to take care of the thing. And, um, but I was just so excited when I got elected that I got a little carried away, I think, the first couple of nights. Interesting. Yeah. And I saw the second time you were with Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. You know, that was another. It ripped. The, the arm ripped. Uh, on, oh, on a, oh, the whole thing? In the Superdome. Just a big gash like this. And, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it's a mess. So trying to get it stitched up. It's, it just ripped in a very weird way that it's not in a seam. It's in the fabric. Oh. It's going to be really hard to repair. Yeah, not, not good. I, I wonder if because I know they have they were having a bunch of guys get in this year and then they postpone it for next year. They're like, All right, we're making 30 of these. We'll, we'll get one more and do it then. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. <laughs> so if, if they would have had it this year, would you have worn it ripped or like worn something different? Yeah, I would have worn it. I mean, you know, it is what it is. It's part of my <laughs> part of my you know badge of honor, I guess. Yeah. It's part of the journey. So, yeah, absolutely. Wear a gold jacket when I can. Who do you think the next kicker to be inducted should be? Adam Minotaur should be the next guy. Uh, and there's a lot of other guys. Gary Anderson is very deserving yeah. and uh, Jason Hansen up in Detroit that, you know, there's a lot of guys that are deserving, but I think Adam's the next guy. Yeah. Have you gotten any calls to come kick since you retired? No, no, not at all. Really? Well, people, people know I'm done. Washington could use you. I don't know if you've seen Hopkins. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, that, that's really all the questions really have for you. So I'm, I appreciate I, it, man. Great yeah. Dane Nation. Uh, yeah. If you can plug that out, send me yeah. the link and I'll we'll do. I'll share it with my producer and awesome. we'll, we'll plug it. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. And then how can people find you on social media just to keep up with uh, you? At Great Dane 2544, which was my point total. So Twitter and Instagram is both at Great Dane 2544. Cool, cool, cool. So I'll link that. I'll link your podcast, link your foundation, and I'll send it all to you. Beautiful, man. I appreciate, man. I appreciate time. you. Thanks Absolutely. for your time. Absolutely. We got to get garage in the United States. We get to the. I, I agree, garage. man. I agree. Next time you're over there, it's garage hard lemonade. I haven't heard it. It's fantastic.